Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We gather to hear the words you've said, to worship you, to proclaim the resurrection of your son, and to be prepared to be sent back into the world to live a life that is from his kingdom. We ask today that you'd be with us. May we hear words that speak to us and may they transform us. We ask this all in your son's name who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We're now in the final weeks of the Easter season. So over the past month, we've explored the good news that Jesus is the resurrected King of Israel. So the journey has taken us to consider the credibility of that claim. And it is credible. If you would like to talk to me about that, always feel free. We've talked about what it means for the good news to be proclaimed by Jesus' disciples, that he left people to follow him. We've talked about what it looks like for us to be included in that journey. And now that we near the end of the journey, we have a couple weeks left. And then the celebration that was the good news of Jesus' resurrection becomes the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday and uh, the birth of the church. And that is on the very near horizon. And then the transition happens where we're no longer fo fo uh, focusing so much on resurrection. But right now, it's still the focus. So there's two questions I want us to consider today. Two questions. First, I want us to ask, what is next? What do we do after hearing the message of Easter? So even if you're not always in church, we all know about Easter, whether we want to believe it or not, we know what Easter is about. The belief that a man named Jesus from Nazareth resurrected from the dead in the first century and changed the world. And because of that, we now remember his resurrection. So what do we do with that? And today we get the answer to that response the response to that question is we follow the way of Jesus. The one thing I say more than anything else, right, at Salem Magdalene Church, we make followers of Jesus who live the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is what life's about. So everything from Easter builds towards this call to follow the way of Jesus. But that, of course, pushes us to a second question. And it's one that I want all of us to be honest about. And that question is, where are you? Where are you on the way of Jesus? Now, to answer these questions, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. So if you want to open to John chapter 15, that's a page, and it'll be verses 9 through 17. So that's on page 1537 in the Pew Bible, if you want to follow along. It will also be on the screen. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Now, while you're turning there, we first need to look at a different passage. You can leave it there, Emerson. I'll get it from, I'll get this part. So you can, it's, 
You're okay. I, I did that. It's not you, Emerson. So Emerson hasn't done it with me on the screen yet. So I've, I can control this part. So I changed it, not you. You're good. So I, uh, we've got now first Acts. So let's take a look at Acts while you're turning to John. And we're going to grasp at the beginning of this question. Well, what does it look like to respond to the way? So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even, or out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So we actually heard the beginning of this passage uh, on Easter morning. But we had to wait six weeks to hear the response. So if you remember, Easter morning, what we talked about with that Acts passage was that Peter... In this story in Acts begins with a vision and a dream. Peter has a dream and this man named Cornelius has a vision. Cornelius is a Roman soldier. He's a pretty important guy. And he has a dream from the God of the Jews who he seems to be interested in. He's interested in this God. He cannot become a Jew without going through the process He's a Roman soldier. He's not going to go through the process. But he's interested in this Jewish God. So this God gives him a vision. And he talks about this man named Peter. And he says, you need to send for this man named Peter. So Cornelius does so. Now Peter at the same time has a dream. And in this dream he learns that what God had made or what he had viewed as impure, God has made clean. Now, Peter doesn't know what the dream's about. He, he doesn't know what this means. But all of a sudden, he says, okay, this man is sending people for you. His name's Cornelius. They're going to come and get you. You need to go with these men. Then these people show up, so Peter goes. And it's a couple-day journey for Peter to get to Caesarea, Caesarea, where Cornelius is. But when he gets there, Peter starts to talk to these Gentiles about Jesus. And when he's talking to them, this is how he ends the final line. He says, now this is the verse right before what we just read. All the prophets testifying about him, that's about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So that's what Peter says. And it all clicks for Peter. The impure that's being made pure are the Gentiles. Now, Everyone who believes in Jesus' name is able to receive forgiveness of sins. Anyone who recognizes that becomes a member of the kingdom of God. And then we hear what we just read in verses 44 through 46. So this is our first stop on the journey. The first stop is responding to Jesus. So the question is, you hear this message, what do you do? You respond to Jesus. These people from Cornelius' household responded in faith. Now, what is the response of faith? The way I talk about it is a response of allegiance. Jesus is claiming to be a king, established his own kingdom. He's asking you to become a member of his kingdom, so your allegiance is to the kingdom and the king. You give him faith and trust him. Or the way I like to put it, you follow the way of Jesus. And you say, okay, I'm going to follow this man. And then what happens is Cornelius is and his family receives the Holy Spirit. Now this is a mark of 
conversion in the Gospel of Acts. It's astonishing that Gentiles receive it. But they do because they are a part of the kingdom. They hear Peter. They believe, yes, I believe that Jesus is this man whom Peter is telling us to be. They say, I trust him. And then all of a sudden they receive the Holy Spirit. And then this is what happens next. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. See, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So this is the the first thing that we do. We respond. And when we respond, baptism is the first step of that response. Churches have done baptism in different ways. And some people would like to tell you that there's only one way to do baptism, but they don't read the New Testament, which very clearly doesn't give us a clear picture. Just when we think we have one idea, you see a different example. You can't put it clearly in an idea. But what the church does say is we need to baptize believers. You believe, you get baptized. Now, in our congregation, we do this at birth. And why is it that we baptize at birth? Well, as a parent, I'll I'll say personally, and this is the way I approach it for anyone with children, I don't want a day where my children don't view themselves as Christians. Because my children didn't choose to be born into my house. There's a lot about life we actually don't get to pick, whether we believe it or not. And as a parent, I believe the best way to live is living the way of Jesus. So from the beginning, my wife and I raise our kids along the way of Jesus. So for children in our church who are born into our church, family, congregation, that is the option parents have if they would like to. Now, if you're an adult, it's different. If you've already been baptized, we're not going to baptize you again. That baptism was something that was done for you, and now you're able to claim it as your own. And if you haven't been baptized, well, then we'd be happy to baptize you. Because what is the call? The call is to follow the way of Jesus, and it begins with a response to Jesus. Now, that's the first stop. But after we've made that first stop, we said, okay, we're going to follow Jesus. Well, what's next? Well, this is when we get to our passage from John. This is how John starts. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. That word right there, remain. It was a word we had last week. This idea of dwelling in Jesus or remaining in Jesus. Now last week we know the story was about Jesus being the vine and we're the branches. If we want true life, we have to be connected to the vine. Now this is also actually a reference to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. There's this garden, right? This place where God's presence dwells. And the first humans are invited to receive life from the tree of life. But there's that always that question, are you going to receive life or are you going to receive your own desires? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now Jesus again is inviting, he's saying, look, follow the way of Jesus, remain in me, choose life. 
remain in my love. But how do we do this? How do we remain in Jesus? That second, second step on the way. This is what John continues. He says, as the Father has loved me, this is what Jesus is saying. As the Father has loved me, so, ha- so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now what's the focus there? The focus is we remain in Jesus' love by keeping his commands. What we need to understand is this is a very Jewish idea. So we can't take Jesus and separate him from the Old Testament. People want to do that. Jesus is fundamentally Jewish in the way that he views the world. Now this idea is straight out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And how is it that you do that? You take these commandments I've given you and you put them on your hearts. Love God by keeping the commandments I've given to you. That's the way that Jesus and his fellow Israelites lived. They knew that they needed to keep the commandments of God. And that's how they remained in God's, the life he had provided for them. So how do we remain in Jesus' love? We remain in his love by keeping his commands. Just as he followed his father and remained in his father, we remain in Jesus. Now, this leads us to a question, of course, and the question is, well, how do I keep these commands? And what are these commands? Continuing, this is what Jesus says. In verse 12, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's the command. This is how you remain in Jesus. You love those around you. What's the call? The call is to follow the way of Jesus. So the first thing we do is respond to Jesus. Then we remain in Jesus. And we remain in Jesus by following the command to love others. And if it's not clear, well, what does it mean to love? Jesus says again, verse 13, he says, Greater love has has no one than this. So this is what it means to love your neighbor. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. 
And there's a lot in there. But what we need to pull out is Jesus says to his disciples or his servants, servant is another name for disciple. Now in the ancient world, teachers had followers. And their followers were to serve the teacher. So that's where the word servant comes in. But Jesus says, no, I am no longer your teacher. He says, I am your friend. No greater honor in the ancient world than to be called a friend to someone else. Aristotle, Plato, the great philosophers didn't write about marriage. But they wrote a lot about friendship. The greatest virtue in the ancient world is this idea of friendship. And Jesus grabs a hold of that, not from a Greek view necessarily, but from this idea that God wants to be our friend. Which is an idea that even Moses is called and Abraham in the ancient world, or in the ancient or in the in the Hebrew Bibles, they're called friends of God. And now Jesus says, All of you who follow me are my friends. Now, a word we've been talking about also a lot throughout Easter is the word koinonia. It keeps coming back. This idea of sharing in God's fellowship or his closeness. Now, it's a word used about marriage, but it's also a word about closeness. And friendship is about being known deeply by someone. Jesus says, I've shared everything with my followers. They're like my friends. And he says, what does it look like to love? Will you lay down your life? And he says to all his friends that day, I will lay down my life for you. So this is what Jesus asks us to do. He says, follow me, follow the way of Jesus. Respond to me in faith. Remain in me. Remaining in me means that you love one another like I have loved you. And if you're going to love one another, you have to offer self-sacrificial love. Now, this is the rub. There's always a rub, right? Because I think what all of us could be hearing right now is, Okay, I have to live a certain type of life. I have to treat people a certain way. And what we can all say is, well, we've tried that before, and we can't do it. We try and we fail. So it can be discouraging to hear that the call of the way of Jesus is to live with love. Because we try and we fail. But what I think we miss is the order. This is what I hope we see, is this order. And then we get this order from our John reading. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through, it's going to be 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So right here, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This is a reference to the response. Baptism is this idea of rebirth with Jesus. You die to your old self, you're reborn into the way of Jesus. You're reborn as the people of God. So you're born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children as well. We're fellow children and future children of God, the people we hope to reach. If we love our Father, we're going to love our his children. So this right here, everyone who loves the Father, this is remaining in Jesus. We see it right there. Remain in Jesus means to love others. 
And if we do these two things, if we follow the way of Jesus, we get to this third idea. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. So again, there it is. We carried his commands by loving God. We respond to Jesus, we remain in Jesus, and we love Jesus. But I think the question is still there, well, how do we love Jesus? And this is what the next verse says. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commandments. Now, I understand that this feels like a circle now, right? You're supposed to love God, and you love God by keeping his commandments. Now, you're supposed to keep, you're, and keeping his commandments mean you love those around you. You're supposed to love those around you, and you do that by loving God. Now, it feels like a circle, but this is what we need to understand. It starts with loving God. It starts with saying, yes, Jesus, I'm going to respond to you and trust that you are the king of the world and that you came and died to offer me freedom from sin and invited me to be a part of your kingdom. It starts with that act of allegiance. That is an act of love. But then what follows is that we then begin to love those around us. We start with following Jesus. It's that simple. We admit that we're broken people. We admit that we need to be transformed. We admit that we need life. So it's that first stop. Respond to Jesus. And then the next two are this eternal dance of working together. Remaining in Jesus is an act of loving Jesus by keeping his commandments. And keeping his commandments is a way that we then love those around us. Now, the way it really turns out is that this is about returning to the life God had wanted us to have. So we think back to the garden. Genesis 1 and 2. There's a tree of life and there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said to those two humans, he says, you can have any fruit in the garden except for eating from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the one thing that then they wanted to do. But also in the center of the garden with that tree is the tree of life. Now the tree of life requires us to trust God. The tree of knowledge and evil allows us to trust ourselves. Which one's easier? It's easier to trust ourselves. Because when we trust God, we don't know what that means. We don't know what it means when we can't answer a question and we have to put everything in him. We don't know what it means when someone we love is diagnosed with cancer and we don't know if they're going to get better. And we know sometimes they don't and it's hard to make sense of all that. But what Jesus says is he says, follow me. Trust me. Choose the tree of life. And the tree of life He said, then I will show you the wisdom of living as I've made you to live. 
And that's where loving God and loving others is. You love God by trusting him. And what he's going to ask you to do is to show love to those around you. It goes hand in hand. But it's all about following the way of Jesus. So we're all somewhere on this journey. Maybe you are right here. Maybe you need to respond. And the response is to say, yes, I trust that there's no life worth living other than a life that follows Jesus. Now, this does not guarantee an easy life. A life where you're required to follow people and, and to love people that you dislike or that make your life difficult is not a life that's easy to live. But it's a life worth living. So you can respond. And if you've not been baptized, feel free to talk to me about baptism. Now, if you have been baptized and, you, and you're like, what's the next step? The next step is just to, to start again. Pick up where you left off. Jesus is there and he wants to know us. He wants to be our friend. Then the next step or the next stop on the way is this remaining in Jesus. We remain in Jesus by being committed to loving others. And following his command. And it's easiest to do number two by doing number three. By loving Jesus. By spending time with him. By making the rhythms of his life, your life. Every day, spending time in the word, in the wisdom of God. Being shaped by it. Allowing it to shape the way that you see other people. Allowing Jesus to empower you. Because remember, what happened on that day whenever Cornelius and them believed? They received the Holy Spirit. So we're not doing it alone. Maybe for you, the only thing you need to do to figure these two out is to remember that God lives in you and he wants to help you. You don't have to do it on your own. It's not something that we have to do to earn. It's something we've already been given. But the call is to follow the way of Jesus. We love Jesus. And when we love Jesus, we give him our allegiance. We give him our love. We remain in him and give others our love. But the, the call starts with, are we going to follow him? So today, that's the question. Where am I on that journey? Am I going to follow him? If I am following, what areas of my life do I need help with? I'm always available to talk about these things. I can't guarantee that I will have your answers. I, just like all of you, am on a journey with Jesus. The one disadvantage of being in my early 30s, 30, is that I haven't lived as much life as some of you. So some of you might actually have advice for me on how to do this well. But maybe I have resources or ideas that I can share with you and we can figure it out together. But the call is to follow the way of Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we look at these texts, these stories. First, the story from Acts where we see these early Gentiles respond to the message of your son with faith, giving him their allegiance 
in responding to the way and following the way. We think of the call to remain in your son, that the way of your son is really just remaining in his love and remaining in his teachings, remaining in a life that's from the future, your kingdom in the world today. May we remain in your son by loving him. And because we love him, we then love others. And also that we love you and love him by loving others. But may we not forget that it starts with trust in your son, allegiance to him, and that that is the source of our love and care. That is the source of our reasons to live differently, to point to his kingdom and to invite others to be a part of it. We ask this all in your son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.